Three, two, one, go. Hello, this is the Alpha channel with uh, Ugo and Blair. So I'm Ugo and... I'm obviously Blair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this episode we will talk about, uh, we'll talk a bit about our soft software pipeline and how we go, uh, how we tackle a scene every time we try to create a piece of art. Yeah, so uh, pipeline, pretty massive uh, when you're trying to do a project. Um, I think this first ever software that I actually used would have been Maya, surprisingly enough. I'm a massive, massive Blender fan now, and I just pure Blender this for modeling and, and everything, so I haven't even touched Maya again. Um, our, uh, the place where I study at the moment is heavily Blender. They think it's going to be the next big thing in the industry. Uh, so that that's kind of cool to be in with a new kid on the block um, coming yeah. up through the ranks with it is um, nice and there's plenty of updates I'm behind in the updates to be honest I'm on 3.0 yeah. I'm <laughs> so. uh, um, on 3.2 3.2 oh nice yeah well that's um, I guess that could be a thing too is feeling like you're falling behind with things but my synchronisation with my home desktop and the one at school they stick with something one version for the whole year and they do their updates at the, pre oh, the, yeah. the next year so who knows it might be 3.5 by then mate by the time i update <laughs> yeah um yeah i've been using blender since i've started doing cgi and i've just been adding software to that pipeline so uh from like the blockout stage to like my almost rendered stage it's always been like Blender, and then it's just going into um, different software. So I, at first it was completely everything Blender. So modeling, sculpting, texturing, yeah, everything was Blender. And now like um, with my photorealistic renders and trying to create scenes. So right now I've been working with this animation for the uh, moving meditations. Um, um, competition for uh, for this channel Puncher. I don't know how to pronounce that name. <laughs> Good part. <laughs> um, so basically, I've been like gathering. Um, I've been gathering objects from Sketchfab. So I've been implementing Sketchfab as uh, as if Unreal Engine user implements Quixel Bridge, basically. Yeah. Oh, Sketchfab's and, amazing, man. There's heaps of stuff. Yeah, awesome. there's so much stuff and so much high quality stuff. So that's yeah. why you can always like implement something and just like make some adjustments to the piece and like do like something with it. Like uh, also mix some of it's amazing for like yeah. auto rigging characters and sure. um, adding animations to them. Definitely so also you yeah. start quite a bit. Uh, for this specific animation, then I also used, um, I expanded into, um, I would have liked to expand into Houdini 2 in order to create fire simulations since it was such a big part of the animation. But since I had just one month to create the animation, didn't have much time to learn uh, how to create a fire simulation from zero and, and import it into Blender, you know. Yeah. So I just did in Blender since I was more comfortable, but I've also started implementing DaVinci Resolve and it's color grading 
with uh, into my VFX. How do you so find DaVinci Resolve? I've, I've never touched it before. Do, do you find it quite intuitive, uh, the basic sort of layouts and stuff like that? Because I've, I've never actually had a go with it. Well, I feel like DaVinci Resolve and similar to Houdini's and certain node-based software is like that adds such a large benefit to it because you can always go back to a, a step um, and change it. Like for example, with uh, generative modeling in Blender or using modifiers, um, you can always go back into the solidify modifier and change that. So yeah. it's basically the same thing and learning uh, geometry nodes and the texturing in Blender, since both of those areas are so heavily based in nodes, I've always been surrounded by nodes when I've been learning uh, VFX. So learning these other two software pretty basic, even though Houdini is nowhere near basic. No, that's what I was saying before, man. It's just a beast. And I think that's possibly, um, you know, you have to have a real specific, maybe intense shot or, or something to actually sit down for that length of time. Because in, in all honesty, I mean, I'll, I'll learn something by doing a tutorial. I'll, I'll type in Explosion yeah. Houdini and majority, majority of tutorials that come up are at least half an hour long and we all know that if we do a tutorial it doesn't take you half an hour by the time you push and play yeah. and stop and rewind it's a two-hour job <laughs> you know yeah. and, and it okay. sort of looks like the the guy that did it on youtube it sort of looks like his but it's it's you know so it's just a beast yeah. man it's a beast of a following this houdini tutorial by uh Rebelway. Which is a studio i don't know where they're located but it's a pretty good studio that do courses paid yeah, courses right. and right now they're they, they uploaded this free course and you know i like free every every time i see uh, free yeah. course i'll join <laughs> that and, yeah and so i've seen uh, this uh this tutorial and it was like two hours 40 minutes long and i was oh. like for me, using Blender, which is a software I already know, and sometimes I can keep up with a person as I'm doing the work, yeah. um, I can do that uh, two hour, 30 minute tutorial and maybe like three or four hours, which is still a lot. But like with a, with a software, I'm really like learning the basics about it's, I already know that's gonna be a seven hour to yeah. eight hour render, especially yeah. doing the final tweaks. And it's just it's time becomes a factor when you learn you you want to keep up yeah. you want to you want to smash out maybe a cool uh test project or a visualization or a you know a piece of effects or some smoke yeah. simulation in a weekend would be nice you know that's kind of what i achieve and yeah two hours is not realistic for me man i'll be doing that over a week <laughs> to be honest <laughs> yeah um but yeah like the pipeline it's just I, I feel like uh, main part, a very important part of your career in VFX, it's creating the pipeline and making sure that your personal pipeline is as close to you as you would like it to, but also like, so like as productive, I mean, as you want it since oh, like yeah. time is basically gold, you know? So, um, 
that's why I've been like always upgrading my pipeline and trying to import in as many um, software, new software uh, I could. Um, not only this, I also think that once starting a career, it's very important uh, in this industry. It's very important to have like a generic idea of like a bit, you know, a bit of lighting, you know, a bit of modeling. And there's just one of the topics that you know a lot about. And then like in a studio, you, I, I think um, the best idea is joining a small studio where you'll most likely have to cover various jobs of the pipeline co compared to like, for example, yeah. you join Marvel where, um, well, a studio that's linked to Marvel where you'll have to maybe just model this this bin that's going to be exploded, you know? So it's better to go I generic exactly right. and then dial in. Yeah, because there's always going to be something that appeals to you. There's always going to be something that, um, you know, tickles your fancy, so to speak. There's going to be a direction that you possibly might want to go in. And you, you still need to learn everything else to try and get to that direction. You know, you can't just be a pure modeler without understanding textures. UV. Or, um, yeah, just everything that's incorporated around that specific role you, yeah. you know you're going to be more of an asset to a smaller studio if not you only that a whole bunch you'll also tools. be a better asset for a larger studio because if you do like uh if you're a modeler your modeling is isn't completely separate to your uh to the guy who does the uvs or the textures because your model mm. and its topology will base how quickly the UV um, the UV wrapper will be able to UV and wrap your object. And the better exactly topology right. you get, have and give to that guy, to the next guy in the pipeline, mm -hmm. the faster that pipeline will work. And then the same thing goes, like if you slow down, if your model doesn't have good topology, that will slow down the UV uh, and then if your UV yeah. slows down, that slow down the texture. And if the texture slows down, it's just, it's a pipeline. So every everything, if you do have a problem at the beginning, that problem will like slowly trickle down to the end of the pipeline. Exactly, man. Yeah, 100%, that's exactly right. It's the small fine tunings at the start, you get 100%. Uh, you don't have a compound effect and find out right at the end that there's something finicky or not quite working right and has to Yeah, uh, Blair, have they taught you anything uh, concerning, have you had like a lesson uh, concerning pipelines in the university you go to? Massive, yeah. It's, it's something that they kind of instill and drive into you right from the word go. You get exposed to, you know, so for example, uh, my exposure to software has been blend a little bit of Maya um, UE5 or UE4 to start with into UE5 After Effects, a lot of the Adobe software, Photoshop's are, are just a given these days of, of, you know, you can make textures and do all sorts of crazy stuff in Photoshop um, You know, Marvelous Design, all that sort of stuff So you get exposure to all these, all these programs and you start like what Hugo said is just to drift along and go, what I'm comfortable using, okay, I'm comfortable using Blender uh, for real-time rendering or 
I want to make a massive environment. I'll jump, I'll jump and transfer things into UE5 and do my rendering and, and cinematic stuff. I feel and lighting is just, you know, yeah. it's, a li- it's a little bit above it. You know, if, if you don't yeah, kind of know what you're doing, you kind of get a nice of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you do get a lot of exposure and you do start to slowly or quickly, actually, um, form your own pipeline, which you can carry on if it's an industry standard software you can carry on into the industry and when you're looking for a job they will tell you what they require but that's kind of the perfect scenario you know you, you can say hey i know a little bit of maya but i'm blender through and through and they go well we use maya but we can teach you you know they, they know you're kind of ambidextrous to yeah. say you can jump between but two software that's an asset to them exactly so like if you're like there's so many people in this community that I feel like having a good pipeline is just crucial. Yeah. Since like, like what you said, it's like having a good pipeline, a pipeline that's also diverse is really important because, and so basically like with the, when you said you're Blender full time and but you have touched up on Maya, if you're looking for a job at a studio and you have two, like you and a duplicate of you, like, your quality is exactly the same level you're um you're asking for the same amount of money you're asking for the same amount of everything the thing that will distinguish from you and your clone is uh, this the software you know because if if you've gotten grabbed the i i heard this um i forgot the podcast but it was they were commenting on this exact thing and they were like saying how if you just grab the 30 uh, day trial for maya or anything like that mm. and just do like five renders in a month then once you get into a new studio you'll be able to be like oh no i don't know maya but i've tried it i've done these sort of renders and I feel comfortable that if you give me like uh, tutoring for a couple, for like a week or two, I can get really high quality stuff by importing my knowledge from Blender into Maya. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the the basics of the tools and everything else to achieve modeling a simulation, it's all pretty much the same, just under a different uh, interface, yeah. different names. You know, yeah, the, I think the, the fine tuning and the and the parameters might be different words and stuff, but you, you you're looking to achieve the same thing. It's not like you're comparing Blender to say something like Nuke. You know, they're completely two different software, whereas Maya and Blender, it's you're you're gonna achieve the same yeah. sort of thing. You know, and the skills are there. Yeah, learning Blender and geometry nodes made it easier for me to learn DaVinci Resolve and uh, a bit of Houdini. And also, at the time of learning Unreal Engine, which is what I'm learning right now, learning Blender and its uh, node-based system will help me at the time of uh, doing blueprints and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, because if, if you look at trends, a, a, a software company don't want to remake the wheel. They don't want to start from 100% from scratch. They kind of want to pick up on what a trend is, what's popular, in my eyes, Unreal Engine's massive right now, and you, all you got to yeah. do is look at um, NVIDIA Omniverse, and they're kind of clicking onto that real-time simulation stuff, which is massively, massively appealing. You don't want to have to 
bake things over and over and over again in Blender and stuff, you know, nothing against Blender, but Unreal Engine, that real-time simulation stuff is just so much more intuitive to see what something's going wrong here, something's going wrong here, what is it, and tweak it, you know? Um, and that, that's, you know, trends are, are massive with new software and stuff too, I feel. The node system is, it's very intuitive. I know I like saying that word, but it's <laughs> it's very self-explanatory, you know? <laughs> Drawing on the strengths of every, um, every software that you know has a strength. Uh, so simulations, the stuff in Blender, they probably need to touch up on that a little bit so mm. okay I'll, I'll use blender for my modeling uh where you kind of run into issues there if you want to uh export and import and that's a whole different topic importing and exporting settings because that could just throw a spell <laughs> into the works you know um so if you're looking to do your purely modeling in blender which is perfect absolutely perfect and sculpting anything you want to do drag it into unreal engine and maybe do your materials and, and your textures and stuff in there um you know you've got to kind of figure out what strengths each software has and, and use them to your ability because like Hugo said is just at the end you want this amazingly perfect product and if you kind of rely on one software to do it all you're going to either be there chewing up huge amounts of time or you're going to be kind of um, bashing your head through a brick wall because something's not working like it should or it's bogging down your computer performance or something like that so that, that's a key one I reckon yeah so i think that it's just important to do like your research on what is the industry standard in concerning to what like um sea uh, brush uh, mm. with sculpting maya with i think maya is uh industry standard yeah. in general, yeah. but like industry it's like really good at animation and modeling Mm. Uh, uh, what was it for textures by Adobe? Uh, Substance Painter. Oh, that's massive. Is huge massive now, eh? for uh, texturing, and it's like pretty recent software too. Definitely. Um, and just like Unreal Engine, like right now for studios, it's such a massive thing with this, mm. um, with like having done real time because they can put pretty uh, like. 4k screen behind yeah. your character behind your actor and i'll just immerse uh your your actor into the scene it's yeah. loses that uh, disadvantage of having um the the actor have to completely envision the landscape also also helps a lot with lighting because it immediately it, it acts like a HDRI basically. That is exactly right, man. And yep. you all know HDRIs are massive. Mm. Yeah, uh, the the ability to maybe sort of X the green screen and have the possibility of doing your rotoscoping and, and everything else to try and blend your character into um, a three D scene. There's always going to be, unless you're really, really, really good, or you've got one of these massive studios, if you're doing an indie movie or something like that, you know, that, that's what you're going to be doing. You're not going to have the ability to have a big, massive LED screen for your lighting and, and everything else like that. So to for a big studio to take away the green screen to an extent and have compositing, heavily compositing and stuff, look at the things like the Mandalorian, yeah. they dress him up in, in his kit yeah. and he's got this LED screen behind him. And that's that's half the issue, man. That's, that's half the job done. It's amazing. Yeah, it's just like the Mandalorian was like one of the first to tackle this uh, technique 
and it was so good like i didn't even hear about that uh, technique after like a month after uh i finished watching it like and i was like wait what yeah really? it makes so much sense though doesn't it it's like oh what yeah, did someone think of that so... earlier man that's you know it's it's technology <laughs> i understand but led screens have been around for a long time i don't know you know my tv screen yeah. in the house is a um led one and it's what exactly 30, so like, 32 inch 40 41. the problem was the technology was there but there was not the software wasn't sure, so like yeah. there wasn't any fully real-time software like mm. unreal engine right now i don't think any software matches that one yeah and it's just like templates i mean you can go on there intuitively i'm going to use the word again intuitively <laughs> intuition um you go in there and you get what do you want to do do you want to do a film they've got the templates you get to do oh i want to do a third person shooter or a first person shooter or you know they've got the templates there for gaming you can just jump in and you can pretty much follow your nose to an extent but it's 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 just huge it gives you all the tools and it, it is a bit it's a bit of a beast in itself i admit it, you know i struggle to do things sometimes and stuff you know but um it's, it's just a such a massive massive asset and it, you can it can be your one-stop shop I'll, I'll admit it's one of those softwares that it could be your one-stop shop yeah yeah i definitely agree with that so we've been talking for a while now this is our first episode and stuff so we'll probably wrap things up there guys um thanks for listening we really appreciate it. this is our first episode and um we just love talking about what we're passionate about to be honest um so in the future it's the love of it man plenty to talk about plenty to drag you off topic so yeah. we, we do try and stay on topic usually um you know so if, if this podcast sounds like something you'd be interested in and you'd like to follow us on our journey uh, tune into our next episode of the Alpha Channel for updates on our future episodes, or if you would like to connect with us uh, or contact us, visit our social media. See you next time. See you guys later. See you next time.